Hello, this is Dr. Nasir Gami, and you're listening to the Gami Psychiatry Podcast. Scientific, humanistic, and not the conventional wisdom. Let's talk about depression. I often hear people ask me, well, how do I know my depression is an illness or a disorder and that I should take medication for it as opposed to just a reaction to a problem in my life? Well, these are really false dichotomies. And whether or not your depression is an illness or not is irrelevant to whether you should take a medication or treatment uh, that's uh, biological or not as opposed to psychotherapies. Uh, Let me explain it to you this way. Depression is like fever. It's not a disease. It's just a symptom. It's an experience. Sometimes this experience can be a symptom of a disease, specifically manic depressive illness, which I'll describe. But sometimes it's not part of a disease, and it's just an experience in life. So one way of thinking about this is, disease depression and non-disease depression. That would be the simplest way of putting it. And if you have depression as part of a disease, yes, you should take the right kind of medications, which by the way, are not antidepressants, which we'll get to um, usually. And if you have the non-disease kind of depression, you don't need to take medication. They may help you a little still, but you don't have to take them. And psychotherapies are the main uh, beneficial treatment. So let's think this through a little together. So what is the disease version of depression? Well, I mentioned manic depressive illness. This may sound like an old-fashioned term to you, and you might be wondering, why isn't he saying bipolar disorder? Well, uh, because they're not the same thing. A lot of people think they are. They aren't. The term manic depression has been around for about 100 years. Bipolar only in the last 30 or 40 years has been officially used. Manic depression meant having severe depressive episodes and that they were recurrent. They repeated. Now, you also could have manic episodes, but you didn't have to. Now, let's define what these things are. Uh, Let me put it very simply. Clinical depression is a state of being really slowed down in your thinking and your movement and your feelings. In psychiatry, we call this psychomotor retardation or psychomotor slowing. And mania is the opposite, being sped up in your thinking and your movement and your feeling. The term we use for that is psychomotor excitation. Now, some clinicians listening to this may say, oh, no, that's not really true. Well, there's a long history to this. Uh, Can't get into it right now, but I would stand by the statement. This is not the way the current diagnostic system, the so-called DSM, defines it. So much the worse for DSM, in my opinion, because it's the truth, whereas DSM is not. And we'll come back to that. There's been 100 years of research supporting this view that depression is characterized by psychomotor slowing, by a slowing down of your thinking, movement, and feeling. Notice that I didn't say depression is characterized by feeling sad. I didn't say depression is characterized by, for instance, being suicidal. You could feel sad, you could feel suicidal, obviously, but you don't have to, and still you could have clinical depression. Now, how do you have clinical depression without feeling sad, you might ask? Well, that's when you're slowed down and you don't have interests in things. And usually the main psychological experience you have is kind of an emptiness, 
an absence of feeling, an apathy, a lack of interest. There's an apathy, an absence of feeling rather than a sadness. Now, of course, you can have sad mood and depression. You can have sad mood and apathy and depression. But my point is you can also have clinical depression with apathy and no sad mood at all. And this is a common misconception. So-called mood disorders are not disorders of mood. You can have depression and mania, classic mood disorders, without having sad mood or happy mood. Instead, what really is the case is you have psychomotor slowing for depression and psychomotor speeding up for mania. Now, when you have the psychomotor slowing, you're slowed down. You eat less, you sleep less, you move around less, you're less interested in things. And typically, this lasts a few months. And it could last a few weeks, could last six months to a year. Uh, but on average, three to six months or, or a bit longer is how long these clinical depressive episodes were described as happening in the past. Now, there are subtypes we won't get into right now. If you have um, much more slowing down so that you're hardly functional at all and you hardly move at all, that's been called melancholia. Um, but you could be slowed down a lot and be functional and, and be able to work even. And, and that's still a clinical depression, although it's not what used to be called melancholia. We'll come back maybe later to what that means. In any case, um, you have this slowing down, the last months on end, that's clinical depression. Then it goes away. You feel okay for a year, two years, three years. Then it comes back again for three months, six months, nine months. Then it goes away. You're okay for a year, two years, three years, then it comes back again. Three months, six months, nine months, then it goes away. You get the idea. There's a pattern in manic depressive illness. This recurrent depression comes and goes every couple of years, and it lasts on average uh, six to 12 months or so, sometimes a little less. Um, it begins around age uh, in one's teens to 20s, and it continues throughout life. It's highly genetic, almost completely genetic, based on twin studies. We don't know what the genes are in specific, and it isn't. What we do know is it's not one big gene, one major gene, but many, many genes of small effect. But it is uh, the effect of multiple genes leading to the disease. Um, now, you could have these recurrent depressive episodes, and that's it. Um, that's what in the past sometimes was called unipolar depression. Uh, or you could have these depressive episodes, and then sometimes you have the manic episodes, the periods of being very sped up in your thinking, movement, and feeling. And um, then you're much more active, you sleep less, you're more productive, you talk more, you have increased energy, both physically and sexually. Um, and you might be impulsive and do things that are a problem that way. And that's what, uh, and that would last for weeks to months. Those are manic episodes. Sometimes if they're not, if they're not functionally impairing, people use the phrase, hy phrase hypomanic episodes, but we won't get into that right now. We can talk about that separately, but I just want to make the point that that was, is what we call bipolar um, illness. I use the phrase illness instead of disorder, an another issue to come back to but I'll just keep using my language. That's what we call bipolar illness. Um, and that bipolar illness is just depressive episodes that are recurrent and some manic episodes or hypomanic episodes. Unipolar depression is the depressive episodes that are recurrent and that's it. You have no manic episode. Uh, but all that was considered part of the same disease, manic depressive illness. So manic depressive illness meant 
unipolar depression, which means recurrent severe depressive episodes, and bipolar illness. But bipolar illness just means the manic episodes and depression. It, it excludes the unipolar depression, the recurrent uh, depressive episodes, uh, which in the current DSM system is labeled as quote unquote major depressive disorder. Um, I'm not going to use that label. So when I say you can have depression as a disease, that means you could have depression that's severe, that lasts months, that's episodic, that comes and goes, that begins in your 20s and happens every few years. That's depression as a disease. It might also happen with some manic episodes, the bipolar version. It might not happen with the manic episodes, the unipolar version, but it's all the same disease, which used to be called manic depressive illness. Recurrent severe mood episodes of any kind, and often it's just depression. So the way you know you have that is that you have that course of illness. It starts in your teens and 20s. The episodes last for months. They go away and they come back. And you also have family genetics for the same thing, uh, that is severe unipolar depression, or for bipolar illness. That is the same depressive episodes and maybe some manic ones. In other words, you have a family genetics for manic depressive illness as well. That's how you know that you have depression as a disease. If you don't have that course of illness and you don't have that genetics, but you have clinical depression, then you don't have the disease of depression. You just have the experience of depression. Now let's talk about that a little bit more. What is depression that's not a disease? Well, things may happen in your life, obviously, that are negative. Psychiatrists call these negative life events. And uh, it can be shown that when people have clinical depressive episodes, a negative life event is there 90% of the time. Well, what are these negative life events? Divorce, loss of a job, uh, death of somebody, medical illness. These are the typical negative life events that people have. Car accidents. As you know, these are not uncommon and not unique. So when people say, well, I'm depressed because of this negative life event, losing a job, conflict in a marriage, the question that one should say, one should ask that person was really, if that's the reason why you're depressed, then how come 90% of the world has the same life event and doesn't get depressed? And that's the way it is. The actual lifetime prevalence of a full-blown clinical depression according to a lot of studies, it is about 10%. It, it does vary country to country. Sometimes it can be as high as 20%. In some countries, it's as low as 1% in others. But let's just say 10% is our number. Well, that means that 90% of the world has all these same negative life events. They lose jobs. They have marital conflicts. They get divorced. Somebody dies. They get medically ill. 90% of the world has these life events, but they don't experience a clinical depression. That means they don't have weeks or months on end of the low mood, energy, the psychomotor slowing, etc. That, that I described. So why is that? Well, that's what tells you that when people have full-blown clinical depressions, especially if it's repeated, it's this disease we've been talking about. You notice when I described manic depressive illness, I didn't say anything about whether those depressive episodes were triggered by negative life events. In fact, they are triggered in most cases by negative life events, but it's irrelevant because, as I said, 90% of the world has those negative life events and doesn't have the depression. And they certainly don't have the depression repeatedly over and over and over again, as happens 
in patients with uh, unipolar depression and bipolar illness. So the, the real sign that you don't have the disease of depression is not the presence of a negative life event. It's the absence of the course of illness of recurrent episodes and the family genetics. In other words, the, the life stressors are always there. That's not the cause of anybody's depression. It may trigger the timing of the depressive episode, but it's not the sole cause. Now, there are people, though, that don't have these genetics for severe mood illness. They don't have recurrent mood episodes. They have a negative life event like a divorce or a trauma, and they have the depressive experience. It might even meet the official definitions of a clinical depression, but it only happens one time. Well, it happens during that time of that stressful life event, and it doesn't happen again with other stressful life events, usually. Um, and those are the people that do not have the disease of depression. That's the depressive experience as part of life. Some people in clinicians in the past use the phrase problems of living. Now, maybe that's a little too simplistic because it's not a problem of living. It, it's life. You have these um, negative life experiences, and that makes people sad. And sometimes it makes them have, you know, some psychomotor slowing. They get slowed down. They get somewhat apathetic. They get less interested in things. But usually it's brief, usually on the order of days or weeks. Sometimes it might last longer than months, but it's not usually that long. And usually it's, and it's not recurrent. It, it goes away and it stays away with time as one gets further and further from the life event. If you think of the grief process, for instance, that's the way it works. So um, I guess that's how I would put it. If you have depression and you don't have, you know, recurrent episodes, you don't have genetics for it, uh, and your depression, you know, is related to a life event, and, and there's none of the rest of what I've talked about, uh, you, you, and if it's the case, you know, that it lasts weeks to months, that it's relatively mild, it will go away. That is not depression as a disease. That's depression as a human experience. Now, you can probably understand that um, where I'm going to go with this now is that that kind of depression does not need medication. That kind of depression may benefit from psychotherapy. It may not even need that, but certainly psychotherapy may help. Uh, but it will tend to go away naturally anyway. That kind of depression doesn't necessarily need any intervention, but if any, psychotherapies might be most useful. On the other hand, depression as a disease will not go away by itself. That's the nature of the disease. The disease is recurrent. And in fact, in recurrent unipolar depression and bipolar illness, there's about a five to 10% suicide rate eventually. So it's a deadly disease. And for that reason, if nothing else, it should be treated. Um, should you use antidepressant medications? Well, you can. Antidepressants, in my view, are symptomatically helpful for depression. That means it's like taking Tylenol for a fever, aspirin for a headache, ibuprofen for pain. Take it, that helps. But it's not a long-term solution. In other words, if you take it for a few weeks or a few months, your depressive symptoms might improve uh, mildly or moderately. But after that, it probably won't do much. Now, that is a bit of a controversial statement because I know mo most of my clinical colleagues believe that if you take antidepressants long-term, it will prevent depressive episodes in unipolar depression. There are even uh, randomized clinical trials that uh, say so. However, in my view, those randomized clinical trials are invalid, meaning they're not legitimately true because of some problems in the way those trials are designed. It's beyond our um, 
ability to discuss this right now in this podcast episode, but again, I've written about it in some detail in the sources at the psychiatry letter that you can uh, look at if you like. Um, so my view is that the antidepressants are short-term symptomatic drugs and they are useful that way, but after a few weeks or a few months, they're not very useful. On, in contrast, uh, mood stabilizers, drugs like lithium and maybe lamotrigine and some others have been shown to prevent depressive episodes. And they've been shown to do that in the case of lithium, not only in bipolar illness, but also in unipolar depression. That is in everybody with recurrent severe depressive episodes. And those drugs are effective in the long run for prevention of the episodes. Obviously, they have some side effects. Obviously, they have some risks. I'm sure clinicians immediately are jumping to that uh, thought in their heads as they listen to me now. Of course, I'm aware of this, but it's irrelevant in a way. And I say that in the sense that we should never prescribe a medication if it's ineffective, obviously. I think we should. We would all agree on that. Uh, and so it's not really relevant to talk about other medications if they're not effective for prevention of depressive episodes, which, again, is, is another topic that I'd have to discuss in more detail to convince perhaps some of you. However, since lithium is proven to be effective in prevention of depressive episodes, we should talk about it. And then the question is, once you have a drug that's effective, well, how, how many side effects does it have? Do the benefits outweigh the risks? And, and that's a discussion one can then have. And I would say with an illness where 5 to 10% of people kill themselves or are or, or, or killed by the illness, I should say, by suicide, uh, and lithium prevents that, as has been proven, as well as improves their depressive episodes and improves their quality of life, the limited side effects that it has are far outweighed by its benefits. And the, the side effects indeed are limited much more than people think, which is another topic we can discuss in more detail later. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you liked it and we'll catch you next time.